In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Dear fathers, dear sisters, and dear friends, so we come once again to our annual commemoration of the, the first Masses celebrated here in Australia, and of course the death of, of Père Recevoir. And as I was thinking about this commemoration, I was I was reminded of a, of a book I read once on the life of Blessed Philippine Duchenne. She was a, a Sacred Heart sister, um, one of the very first, and she, she founded that congregation, although she was French. She came over from France, and she founded that congregation's work in the United States. For those who remember uh, Sister Philippine Marie, who we had with us for many years, uh, she, of course, is named after uh, blessed Philippine Duchenne. And in that book, it is pointed out that those who are powerful in this world, at least as far as the world is concerned, those who are proud, those who wield worldly influence, they have a certain insecurity because although they seem to be powerful, and influential, they take a lot of trouble to try to make sure that their memory is not forgotten. You know, in the old days, they would build great monuments to themselves, or they would dedicate buildings or, or name towns after themselves. Nowadays, of course, they write books about themselves. So it's interesting because on the one hand, they're very well known, and yet they seem to sense that when they are gone, no one will remember them. And they go to great pains to try to ensure that their memory will be preserved. And the book pointed out that the proud, with a great amount of trouble, they go down into graves that will be forgotten, while the humble forget themselves into immortality. And of course, we can't help but, but think of that with Père Recevoir's grave here, with a monument here in a very secular city in a Western secular country. And yet he is here with his monument and he is remembered every year. You may know, of course, that he was one of two chaplains on this expedition, and the younger of the two. We can hope, I think we can state probably with some confidence, that these two Franciscan friars were the most humble, we can hope, and I think reasonably assume, the most humble of the members of this expedition, and this, the younger of the two, probably the humblest of the humble, and it is his grave, and only his grave, that we still have. It reminded me also of a quote in a book, which you may have read, if you haven't, you certainly should, called The Soul of the Apostolate, by Dom Shotar. And Dom Shotar says in that book, that noise does not do much good and the good do not make much noise. 
And yet, it is the good who really have power in this world. It is only they who make the world different in a way that matters. We can think simply of St. Francis, the founder of the order to which Père Receveur belonged. Not a man who cared a whit about worldly influence or worldly power, who only cared about being as authentic a Christian as possible. And it was that quest for authenticity, for genuineness, for getting to the essentials of the Christian life that made him the most influential man of his age. And so on. In our own ways, we can think back to the, the early days of the church when it was the Benedictine monks who reconverted Europe, not through great publicity, but by retiring to monasteries in inaccessible places and preserving there the light of the gospel. But that light shone again throughout Europe and is because of them as well as generations of saints after them that we are here today. And so on and so on. How many converts come to the rectory, come to the presbytery, I want to become a Catholic. How did you find out about us? Well, I have a co-worker. And he's a Catholic. He comes to your church. And there's something genuine about him. Or genuine about her. Or the people who one day think perhaps they have a vocation. It's not because it's not because there's been some great publicity made about the vocations in the church, but, but because they knew a sister or they knew a priest. And they were real. They were, in their own quiet way, the Christian they were meant to be. And for that reason, they had influence on the heart of this young person. Or the parents in each generation, the Christian parents who pass on the flame to their children. It's not because they wrote a book about parenting. It's because they were parents and good parents. And the children saw in them an example of life that they wanted to follow. And so on. The good is usually quiet and steady and real. And what is loud, what is new, what is characterized by frantic activity and publicity is usually hollow and worldly and does no lasting good. Because our Lord has already told us that the good is like a mustard seed. It's a small thing, but it's alive, and it grows. Or the leaven, it's something small, but it is alive, it is real. My friends, I think in each one of us, in each, in each one of our souls, there is a little room, there's a little room. Spiritual writers sometimes call it a cell. Of course, they're thinking there of a, of a little room in a monastery or a convent. It is a quiet room. And there, 
We are meant to speak to God. Speak to God about our life. We are meant to have a conversation with Him. We are meant to look Him in the eye. And He's going to ask us, is the truth important to you? Is it the most important thing? The truth about me, God. The truth about you. The truth about why you're here. The truth about what life is about. The truth about what your particular life is about. Is that truth the most important thing to you? And what about the good? Is the good the most important thing to you? And we have to look him in the eye. It will be a quiet room in our soul. A very quiet room. And we will have to think, well, what about my pride? My pride is important to me. What about my emotions and my emotional reactions to the things of life? Uh, I like those. But I'm speaking to God now, aren't I? And hopefully we will say yes. The truth and the good, the real, is more important to me than these little fantasies of my pride and the obscurity of my emotions. And then, my friends, the little mustard seed of our life will begin to grow. Or if you prefer, the flower of our soul will begin to form. And little by little that flower will blossom and then will come the fruit that is meant to come from our life. And we will go from grace to grace and we will write our own page in the history of the human story. It begins with a quiet conversation with God. Sometimes that quiet conversation happens on retreat. I will be preaching a retreat this week to some high school students and I ask your prayers for that retreat. It may be in the plan of God that they're going to have that conversation during that retreat. This being the first Sunday of Lent, it's not unusual to think that if we haven't had that conversation yet, then it will be during this Lent that we have it. But the great pity is that we can go for many, many years, we can even go through our whole life, walking past that little room in our soul where God is waiting to speak to us. We can even, we can even decorate the walls of that little room. We can hang holy pictures on the walls or on the door of that room. We can say a rosary on the outside of that little room without really speaking to God, without really having the conversation He wants to have with us. We have to open the door. We have to go inside. We have to commit. We have to look God in the eye. And then, our life like the life of Père Receveur, 
will be authentic. It will be what it was meant to be. So my friends, we have to resolve today at the beginning of Lent. We can ask the Good Father to intercede for us for this. We have to resolve to put enough quiet in our soul that we can have that conversation with God. We have to go into that little room. Remember that if we're in the state of grace, it is literally true that the Trinity dwells in our soul, in the very depths of our soul. It is literally true. We have to go into that little room as the Père Receveur. He must have. He must have gone. He must have spoken. And it's only because he said yes to God that we remember him today. It's only because he said yes to God that he has a monument. It is only because he said yes to God that his life meant something. And if we go into that room and we say yes to God, then our life will unfold from day to day and we will experience the power and the real meaning of the life that our Lord had in us. For our life is hidden with Christ in God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.